Hi, it's Dave. I'd like to introduce a three-part series of videos from a conversation I had with Zach and Jesse Cotaldo. They run a YouTube channel, Now You Know, about Tesla and renewable energy. Every week, they present Tesla Time News, which is an in-depth look at the latest Tesla happenings. Today, I'm releasing part one, where we discuss Tesla competition and what makes Elon Musk so unique. Parts two and three will come tomorrow and the day after. These conversations are my attempt of trying to go beneath the surface of things and understand the world around us better. Um, what's your guys' take on competition? Um, let's say, you know, going forward three, four, five years into the future, do you see any kind of like legitimate competing players, you know, in the auto market, especially in the U.S.? I don't. Not really. Well, the the sucky part, especially in the, about the U.S., is we were set back four years. Um, th there's a reason that pretty much all the new EVs are, are going to Europe. It's because they had the standards. Uh, they have the emission standards. And uh, we're seeing just now, like with Honda, Honda you know, couldn't ramp the model, uh, couldn't ramp the Honda E, the Model E, the Model 3. Hello. Uh, but, you know, uh, and so therefore has to pay Tesla for the regulatory credits. And it, it's a significant amount. We don't know what it's going to be. But if it's anything like FCA, it's billions of dollars straight to your competition. Um, or I assume it would be even more to regulators. Um, so there, you know, all these companies, the only reason that there's making evs is because of the european uh, emission standards and so that's why in the u.s we're like where are all these electric cars you know why don't i get the e why don't i get the id3 it's like yeah they're coming we'll go put them to you later and they'll give us numbers of like or they'll give us you know time frames of when to expect it but they could push back those time frames whenever so uh the time frames have constantly been pushed back for me and i've just been like so unimpressed with the competition because of that and just goes to innovation. I mean, these car companies are used to giving us just little tiny new improvements every year so that we don't um, have the Osborne effect, basically, which is that we don't wait for this model. Um, and they're not used to innovating at the speed that Elon's innovating because he's not in innovating at a linear speed. He's innovating at an exponential speed, right. which means that they're, they're just and they're they not ready for that. They haven't caught up, which means that they have to do a step change in order to be anywhere close. Right. And that's really hard to do. Uh, they're basically trying to buy their way into these step changes, you know, Ford with Rivian, uh, GM with, uh, you Nicola. know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's just it, like, just what you, the joke of it, where, but. where, you know, where can we possibly buy what we want? Cause we're so used to buying well, our suppliers, you know, like, I mean, and look back at the 50 million that Daimler put into Tesla to get themselves into an electric smart car or that uh, Toyota bought in to get an electric RAV4. And those were just for the Californian market right. because the California, uh, you know, the carb uh, set such high regulations. They were only doing it for the regulations. And when you see a company being led by a stick or not led, you know, hit with a stick to move forward, it's they don't make the best things and and tesla uh, almost transcends the carrot in a way well, and, you know one of the biggest things that tesla has is something we hardly ever talk about because it seems so not sexy which is the supercharger network and it's one of those things you can't talk about to a non-tesla driver they don't know what you're talking about you can say it over and over but if you say to a the chevy bolt owner how do you charge when you drive to maine they're just like 
I uh, plug into a level two charger. Right. And you're like, but you don't do that in a Tesla. You, you charge for 15 minutes. Right. And they don't get it till they do that trip to Maine. And then they go, oh, it's really a pain, isn't it? So the supercharger network is this huge innovation that Tesla has. All these other car companies point to um, Electrify America Electrify America, and, I, and Ionity and stuff. And they're like, see, there's a charging network. We've used it. It's not the same. Right. Uh, it sounds maybe the same because you have dots on a map, but it's not the same. Right. When you get there, it's not the same in, in just the way that it works. I mean, a Tesla supercharger is so smooth in, in one sense. And you're like, OK, who cares? You know, you're a customer. You're, you're used to going to a gas pump, for goodness sake. But smooth in the fact that there are hardly any hiccups most of the time. Um, and there aren't you know, you're not looking at a screen, you know, oh, I put in my card now. I take it out. I blip a thing. Did it work? Um, None of that. It's just, mm-hmm. you just, it's like the, and we've gone to some, uh, you know, Electrify America chargers where they just aren't working that day. Right. It's like, you're just out of luck. You're just out of luck. It's like, oh, well, <laughs> if I ever have an experience like that, that shakes me to my core. I'm like, right. I can't travel. Like, right. are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. We've been to, I think, one Tesla supercharger where it didn't work, but this was after we've been to a hundred and, 50 superchargers and just use them constantly and rely on them uh, on vast and, long and road we trips. Only drive seven miles to to the next one, right? right? This one was in a dense supercharger area, so like, yeah, we've had one bad experience with superchargers, but it was after hundreds of other uh, good experiences. So that really, I think, is this really hard to measure thing because you'd need to conduct some study of like. You know, all the people who are going to use Electrify America and be like, you know, how was your charging session? Did it work? Did you have to move to a different thing? Did you have to call? Did you all of this stuff? And I think it'd be great study um, and compare that to the supercharger network. I think that you'd see a complete discrepancy in quality. um, And even if it were slightly different, that level of confidence difference would be astronomical to the amount of like how a consumer is going to feel about their car. Right? Yeah, I think, um, I think what's interesting with these OEMs is they're not really tech companies or innovation companies. Like their focus over dozens and dozens of years is more massive logistics, you know, moving operations, you know, supply chain management. And that's it. They, they, that's what they should be called is supply chain management companies. Yeah, exactly. And um, and a lot of the you know, the stuff that improving the parts, they're just using their supply chain, you know, and then these dis- the, the suppliers are improving parts. But I think in the midst of like massive innovation and disruption, it's like those type of players have like basically almost no chance because like first you have the electric vehicle right revolution that's shifting entire powertrain right away from fossil fuels to battery, and then you have this whole autonomous driving revolution which is completely software and tech and AI and machine learning, all that. And then on top of that, you have like this battery revolution, right? Massive like improvements and scale and batteries. And, and then on top of that, like you have this whole factory revolution that Tesla's doing, which is like, you know, recreating factories, but like in this super efficient way. And, and Tesla's, I think this is often underappreciated. They're, on the road to radically transforming what happens in a factory and what a factory really is, you know, with robotics, software, AI, all this stuff. Right. And when you look at all of these 
individual disruptive changes that are happening on a massive scale and you expect these auto OEMs who have like only expertise in supply chain management operations logistics right to have a chance it's just like oh man it's like a it feels like it's gonna be like a bloodbath you know it's just i don't know what what do you think well because at every one of those steps it'd be one thing if these were all startup companies and they're all out of the gate and here they go uh but they're not they're these big massive things this big ball and chain and the big ball and chain is is gas car sales um which you might think is is the ball and chain is ahead and that's great until, uh oh, I can't move any further. Right. You know, like uh, every every step I take is one step backwards because I'm no longer selling those gas cars because exactly. now I have to switch to electrics. We, so, we liken that to, you know, being out in the forest, being stuck in a bear trap. And it's like they have to just chew off their leg and they won't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, fascinating, like the historic changes we're seeing, you know. Um, markets and um, what's one of the things I, I look at with these OEMs is I don't think there's going to be a co- competition for Tesla until these OEMs come up with an EV that's at the same price and same same or better performance than their existing IC vehicles meaning like take BMW with the BMW 3 series if BMW is serious of, of having a chance they need to come up with a BMW like whatever they call it, but it needs to be as good as their three series IC vehicle, but you know, at the same price or cheaper and better performance. Right. And right. part of that is the supercharger network without that, like you don't have that performance, meaning you just don't have the, the confidence to travel long distance. And so it's like, what's concerning is like how long it's taking these OEMs to realize that uh, we need a supercharger network. We need a compelling vehicle that's better than right. our IC vehicles. And it just seems like they're, they're just, every year they're digging, you know, the, the dirt, they're digging their grave, you know, deeper and deeper without really, you know, making progress. And they're seeing the wrong things. Cause I, I know for a fact that, you know, if the, you, you know, they came out with a comparable car and like you said, they don't have a network. Um, right now uh, with Electrify America, there's so few drivers using it that the capacity is swell. Uh, ho ho! There's, I can I can go and there's never anyone there. So I'm I'm almost guaranteed a spot to charge. Most of the uh, chargers have like four fast charging stalls, which is at least half of most Tesla supercharging stations, if not a third. Um, so that would be a huge issue when you start to have enough uh, drivers using it. Then it comes to the reliability aspect of the, those chargers themselves. I mean, this is one of the things that I think is exciting me the most nowadays is this idea of Elon spanning multiple industries, but doing like unbelievable things like in each of those industries. But when I think about it, it's like the things he's doing, it's on a humanity level, like on a kind of existential level right and for one person to work on one of those things in their lifetime is quite amazing but for someone to do it on multiple like levels like existential level problems and then to go about that with a solution that is like very in a way product driven so it's working with the system of capitalism and the and economics to provide a kind of a outrageously compelling product 
right? And you look at that with, let's say, the Model Three. You look, you know, with that, like with the uh, with Starlink. You know, it's like, what is this? You know, and he does this consistently across all of his. And what Neuralink is trying to do is just like this astonishing, you know, product that is going to make money. It's actually going to be a business model. Right? And these aren't small business models; these are trillions of dollars of business models that are solving existential right, hu- humanity problems yeah. in unbelievable ways, where the normal person just can't grasp it and believe it. Right? right? And this is happening right before our eyes in history. And I think right. about it; I'm like, has there really been like many other people like this, like Elon Musk, and the the companies he's founding and the things that are happening right now, like? This is something quite unique and special, you know, on a historical level. And I'm not sure if like people are in general are really catching what's really happening before our own eyes. Like, what do you guys think? Right. Yeah, I mean, we we've dedicated the past four years of our lives. You know, we do a show every single week called Tesla Time News, and that's you know, it's not called EV News. We we understand this, and it could uh, be practically called Elon News. Right. It, he's got. I mean, his brand is developing still like him as a brand move it up in the world i think that we can uh, say but wait till we kind of break through when we have a breakthrough moment um and it could be the robo taxi network it could be a number of other things starlink included um but when he, when his personal brand breaks through kind of i would say the steve jobs level imagine if steve jobs were actually solving humanitarian uh, things or humanity scale issues Instead of just the iPhone, which was huge, and people love to death him. He, they think that he's the best person that has ever lived. Imagine when they actually realize what Elon has been doing, yeah. and not only that, but also the absolute grit and drive that he's been showing this whole time. Uh, being able to go back and look and see, like, oh my gosh, he was sleeping on the factory floor. They almost went out of business a bunch of times. He, he was scrapping his he last was, money. Yeah, you know, and- he was fighting so hard to do this, and look where we've gotten. I think that those things are also going to be uh, helping anything that Tesla does or touches, um, because I think it's undeniable even now that he is a brand. Uh, is adding value to Tesla. I think there's so much pushback against him because he, he makes other leaders of companies look like crap. I got to be honest. Like he's he's making more money than they are, and yet he's not doing it to make more money. It it shows us that our system that we have now was designed by a bunch of you know Harvard MBAs back in the 80s about counting beans, and that's not how you should run a company. That's how you run a company to like make it more efficient, I guess, after it's gotten through its growth phase. But that's not how you grow new companies and. I think we're going to be, you know, learning about Elon's methods for decades and centuries to come. It's interesting, like um, when I think about like my own investing and kind of like this, the opportunities that we have, let's say, that come along where we can invest in a generational company, a company that just like, you know, defines or a whole generation is using its products and loving its products and et cetera. It's like, it's not often that that happens, but then it's also not often that a company from a person like Elon Musk, you know, is available where you can participate in it. And part of me is like, when I look out 10 years down the road, I'm like, do I want to be invested in Elon and what he's doing? You know, and right. it's like a pretty obvious question, you know, I mean, pretty yeah, obviously he's, answer. He's kind of yes. ruined other investing for me because I, I want to diversify because I've learned early on, like, I guess you should diversify. But then I look around and I'm like, 
all these other CEOs don't seem to even get it. So why would I invest in them? You know, it almost like pity diversifying. Yeah, exactly. um, you almost get the sense uh, to a certain extent that you're almost, it's almost like you're investing in humanity. Yeah. That if, if what I'm doing now gets us to Mars and Mars means that human humanity is, you know, twice as safe against uh, total annihilation. You're like, I've never been able to do that before yeah. with an investment. Like you, you might have, I don't know if you, maybe you thought like, oh, I'll invest in Raytheon and that'll protect my country or something like that. But I don't think anyone's ever said like, this will protect humanity in quite the same way. And I don't think humanity has ever faced such existential threats um, aside from uh, nuclear holocaust and uh, climate change. Um, it never was at that level. But now that we are at that level, having a leader that is uh, pushing through at least some of those uh, feelings is uh, really beyond what we're used to. I think we were looking for a leader. It hasn't come from politics. We were looking for a JFK-type leader who would give us a big goal to work towards, and we just haven't had it for decades. So now we finally get that, and I think a lot of us have just gotten excited again because we're like, well, we don't have to vote for the guy, but we can kind of vote with our shares. Yeah, I mean, I agree on a lot of aspects of that because like, in some ways what Elon is doing with, with Tesla, with SpaceX, and some of other companies it's really like country level you know like and even not just one country like world global level like the impact that tesla is having but will have potentially in the next decade uh in terms of climate change it's this is like not just a small company this is like we're talking about impact of many many countries you know if not more and for good to not i mean to not to go too nuts but i mean you could almost replace some of the things that like replace the United Nations with the word Tesla or Elon or SpaceX. Like the United Nations is launching satellites to provide internet to, around the world. You'd be like, oh yes, of course that makes sense. The United Nations is building electric cars to prevent climate change. You'd be like, oh, of course that kind of makes sense. Uh, and yet, no, it's, it's pretty much one guy uh, pushing to do all of these things uh, along with you know thousands of other people, but uh, tiny in the scale of of the number of people who do want to do the right things, who are part of governments, uh, presumably uh, for the right reasons and to, to make the world better. And all the people of all the world's NGOs and nonprofits, it's just like, wow, that this guy is able to accomplish some of these things that uh, could be some of the most impactful uh, human activities ever. And it just makes you mad at other corporations because you look at them and you're like, well, you were bigger than Tesla when they started and you already had experience doing a lot of this stuff and yet you didn't have any goal to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's that whole point you're making about the whole mission-driven kind of focus of Elon and his companies, whereas these other companies, you look at what are you really trying to do? You know, like, is it just really just making some money, returning to shareholders, like just right. growing the company, like what, what, what are you all about? But when you like look at Tesla, it's like so glaring and also with SpaceX, et cetera, it's like the f- mission, it defines the company, you know, and everything is geared around that mission. And it's so unique in a sense and different in our world of capitalism and just, you know, money and greed and just grow, grow, whatever. It's something right. that is seen, hey, that's not the most important thing is just to grow a company. You know, <laughs> there are bigger problems at hand. But then you combine that with kind of this whole business aspect, the product, the business model, this whole 
other engine where you're not just trying to solve global problems through a nonprofit, right? And through educational literature out there, you're actually using the power of the market of capitalism and products and services to build billions of dollars, if not eventually trillions of dollars of revenue, right? And that, and to <laughs> solve these problems, it's just, it's mind blowing in some ways. It's like, what's going on here? You know? <laughs> well, it's also mind blowing that he's told us what the plan is. Like I'm using Starlink as a cash cow to make money, to get me to Mars. Like I don't really, I just, this is an easy one. Like, and that's amazing to think about because for most people, that's, that's like a hard problem to crack. And yet he's like, Oh, I can already see how that's going to work. And it is working before our eyes. Like, and you had companies that wanted to do similar things. You had Facebook trying to develop, you know, solar drones to provide internet around the world. And it's like, and you didn't do it. You're Facebook, right? Like you have all the money in the world. There's nothing stopping you, and yet you weren't well, able to accomplish it. Yeah, and this goes back to, I mean, Facebook is owned by Zuckerberg, but I mean, all other companies—they're just beholden to their shareholders who want a quarterly answer. Okay, what's going on this quarter? And if you run a company like that, you're just not seeing the distance. Uh, you're just looking down at the road, and you know, the next twenty feet. Right. And I feel like it's the same thing with investments. I hope that conversation was helpful. If it was, please consider liking the video to help spread the word and also subscribing to my channel for future updates. Part two and three of the series will be coming out in the coming days. On my channel, we're looking at the world through various lenses, trying to get beneath the surface of things. All my YouTube videos are also available as an audio podcast. Just search for Dave Lee on investing at your favorite podcast app. Also, I'm active on Twitter and my handle is HeyDave7. I hope to see you in my next video. Thanks.